Hi again, everybody. John Porteous of the Lovells Township Historical Society here, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Um, have another fun show for you today. Uh, we kind of started in on Project Healing Waters and uh, the Bamboo Bend Project. Um, this week we have, uh, and I'll let Richard give you the better introduction, but we have a, uh, the president of Bamboo Bend, Mark Mackey, and one of our uh, lead instructors, uh, Rod Jenkins. And uh, coincidentally, Rod is last week's guest, Dave Jankowski's illustrator. So back-to-back jet fighter pilot, commercial airplane pilot uh, podcast. So how about that? So a lot of fun stuff to cover this week. I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's jump into it, and uh, we'll send it over to Richard to get started. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. We're here today with John and myself, of course, the uh, famous duo. And uh, we have Mark Mackey and Rod Jenkins. And... uh, they're here for the Bamboo Bend Project at the Veterans Workshop up in uh, where we do it at the Township Hall. And uh, Mark is the lead, and Rod is the uh, one of the instructor geniuses like myself. <laughs> so, uh, well, why don't you tell us about what you, who you are, and where you come from, and all that? Uh, my name's Mark Mackey. I hail from a small town in northern Wisconsin, Ashland, Wisconsin, and uh, I've been involved with Bamboo Bend since 2016 when I was a student and then I was asked by the then president uh, Vic Edwards to uh, several months after after the class he asked me to come and be the president and I graciously accepted and here I am. Well that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah it's been a great ride. Well to come up through the literally come up through the ranks. That's yeah, something. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the Bamboo Bend Workshop is something Vic Edwards come up with, what, about 10 years ago, right? Yeah. And uh, it's a bamboo rod-making workshop for veterans out of the Healing Waters Project. So uh, it's, you know, it's a good thing. It's, it helps, and it's, uh, I know all of us are enjoy doing it. Well, you know, last week we had uh, Dave on talking about his new book, and uh, this week our other guest is uh, Dave's illustrator. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I'm uh, Rod Jenkins. I'm from Canton, Michigan, down between Detroit and Ann Arbor. Been in Michigan for 37 years. Uh, got our, my start out in Portland, Oregon. Worked my way to Michigan via a few jumps with companies and whatnot. But Dave and I became buddies about 35 years ago, Dave Jankowski. And Dave got started with the Bamboo Bend program, um, I think a year or two ahead of me. He told me about Vic Edwards and what a wonderful week he spent helping teach and had me stop by. And uh, I come up here and fish with Dave a lot. And, and his, read his book. It's got great stories of the fish wagon that we used to camp in and some of our fishing buddies. But uh, he got me involved. I came out and helped for a couple days. And it was a very emotional impact for me. And um, it, the... It, it's a typical volunteer program for me that once you help these guys, you feel like you got more out of it than they did. Excellent. Um, so the next year I was asked to come up and be an instructor. That's when we, uh, did we move from Vicks to Levels or did we go to I think it was the last year we were in Victor's. Okay, it was Vicks and then, we went and then to, to Levels from there, yeah. yeah. So I, I think I've had three years worth of students and uh, everyone is... Uh, 
very interesting to work with the background the common love of fly fishing and how project healing waters help these guys um, do some recovery some emotional issues some physical issues mm -hmm. and uh, it was fun working around all of that to get them to go home with a fly rod at the end of the week and uh, just a very satisfying program yeah healing waters is a good program and Glad to be associated with. And a little more about my background. When I was on active duty, um, near the end of my 23-year Marine Corps career, uh, a couple friends asked or suggested that I become involved in Project Healing Waters in Quantico, Virginia, where I was stationed, where there oh, is wow. a chapter, and there's still a chapter to this day. But uh, they asked me or suggested I maybe look into it because they knew I was into fishing I and I had fly fished although not with a, a lot of especially during uh, my active duty time I didn't get much time to fish much at all especially fly fish and uh, I looked into it and I got involved and I was you know next thing you know I'm I'm tying my own flies and then the next thing you know I'm making my own uh fly rods, the graphite fly rods, and I was I was into it, and it was exciting, it was fun, it was a good group of guys and a few gals, and we'd go on fishing trips, and it was, you know, it was a good time, and it, it helped, all, I think, all of us involved kind of deal with some of the things we'd been through in our careers, and our, our time in the service, the deployments and everything, and, and uh, then I, you know, I retired, and they recommended that I I got nominated for Bamboo Bend, okay. and it, it took a couple years uh, because I was off in Alaska goofing off, and then I finally got to go, and like I said before, you know, the rest, uh, I'm still here, I'm still involved, and it's a great program. It. It's a great program. I love it. And and, and again, we're right in the middle of, of this year's Bamboo Bend session, so mm -hmm. uh, plausibly live from <laughs> plausibly. <laughs> Bamboo Bend, it's... Pretty exciting stuff. I think and day, this is day four of, mm -hmm. of eight or nine. Or seven, seven days of rod building. Right. Yeah. And so, so how are the guys doing? They're doing great. With uh, The student group's a little different. We, you know, we didn't have Bamboo Bend for two years because of COVID. And uh, so this is our first in-person in three years. And instead of a national selection from Project Healing Waters, my understanding is it became regional. Mm -hmm. You guys selected people that could drive here. Mm -hmm. And we've got a lot of guys that started out as participants in a Project Healing Waters chapter, and now a lot of them are, are assuming volunteer positions and management-type positions with their with their program with their project in their local, local program yeah chapters and, and such and so i was i was a little concerned that we weren't helping the right guys but i think in a way it's like tossing the pebble in the pond with the ripples that come off exactly. and you help you help these guys that uh, are really uh, i think as a group more capable than what we've had in the past and maybe they can take that back and at least preach the uh, gospel of bamboo, spread a, a, another yeah. another interest in fly fishing for these guys, and show them what they did. Well, uh, and press it forward. Get and and show that yeah, rod. Like show that rod off and, and get some other guys interested to come back yeah. to our program. And yeah. we have, it's not like we have trouble getting students every year because there's a, a long waiting list. But right. um, and, and going back to the whole Midwest thing too, the, the other thought process there was not only is it, save us some 
travel money if they're you know if they're coming from all four corners of the country to Traverse City and then to here and Alaska to here you know that's that's expensive sure um, if they can drive here you know we pay take care of their mileage much cheaper and we're also aware of the fact that the more people are traveling the longer they're traveling the greater the possibility that they're gonna bring in COVID uh, yeah. not just to the classroom but to the region sure. and we certainly sure. you know we want to avoid that of course and um, didn't want to be responsible for you know bringing COVID right. to levels so Thank so you. we avoid that yeah. <laughs> we're, we're most grateful <laughs> you're most welcome I don't want it either you get, you yeah. get the gold star citizenship yeah, exactly. <laughs> well the um, you know I, I don't want to. I don't want to glaze over the program, but um, you touched on something that I'm not sure folks understand. So that when somebody is nominated and selected, this is like getting a full ride scholarship. Yeah, it this really is, is. They're they're not yeah. they're not fiscally responsible for their travel or their no. meals or whatever. No. It's they're they're here and you know to absorb everything and participate right. and yeah, as like, you alluded to hopefully yeah. press and forward. that and that goes i think that speaks volumes for our donors um we couldn't give the students a, a free ride or that scholarship as you mm-hmm. called it um if it weren't for our donors and we are the only i shouldn't say the only we're one of the very few 501c3 nonprofit organizations that can honestly look a donor in the eye and say 100% of your donation goes to the program. I'm the president. I don't get a nickel. He's an instructor. He doesn't get a nickel for travel or anything. I feed everybody, um, but that, you know, everybody's got to eat. So, but uh, they pay for nothing. No, That's great. no rod components, no, no nothing. So, um, it, it, but it, it takes money to do that. So I guess I'm giving a plug. Uh, BambooBend.org. There you and go. people can donate or, or uh, online or write us a check and mail it in. And uh, we did receive a very generous uh, donation that made this year's class possible from a local group that wishes to remain anonymous. But if it wasn't for them, we probably wouldn't have been able to do this class uh, this year. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Neat. Very, very neat. Yeah. And, and for those listening... These guys do know what they're doing. I, I did have an opportunity to uh, have a uh, Rod Jenkins rod in my hand this morning. Oh, did you? <laughs> a beautiful little uh, six and a half foot for a three weight. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to put a line in that, experiment with that a little bit. We'll talk about that <laughs> yeah. more after the podcast. Okay. But, uh, nice work. Thank you. Nice work. It's just, it's just it's a beautiful rod. Thank yeah. you. Did a very nice job. Thank you. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. So we've got the program. There's, there was a, another thing that came up in conversation the other day, and more, you kind of alluded to it a moment ago. Uh, some time in Alaska. Oh, yeah. Uh, this isn't your first time as a media celebrity. <laughs> no, I guess not. Um, it's my first podcast, though. Okay. Uh, no, I, I retired, uh, like I said, 23 years in the Marine Corps. I retired in, in 2013. And... Uh, what, what was your gig when you were in? I was uh, an infantry officer and okay. did multiple deployments to include multiple combat tours. And I was worn out and I knew it and I needed to retire. 
and I knew it, and I also needed to spend some time alone, and I knew it. Okay. <laughs> and the best place I could think of to do that, and when I say alone, I mean truly alone. I've always been a bit of a introvert to begin with, but I don't have a problem with alone time. And uh, the best place I could think to do that was Alaska. And I loaded my truck, pointed it north from northern Wisconsin, and started driving and didn't really even know where I was going besides Alaska <laughs> and fished an awful lot between there, between home and uh, Alaska. Of course, I, I spent a lot of time in the Yukon weeks. I had no timeline. I was like, I don't know, I just, I'm that, just going north. That's a great project. And I, and I, I fished in Yukon Territory. I fished in Northwest Territory. I fished in British Columbia and caught you know, salmon and char and Dolly Varden and great thousands and thousands of grayling and she fish and northern pike and lake trout and it just it was just it was wonderful and I picked berries and I lived out my truck I, and, and camped in my tent and it was a wonderful experience. I finally got to Alaska. Winter was coming. I needed to find a place to go. Or to live because you can't live in a tent or your truck in the, in the Alaska winter. Yeah. yeah, don't don't try it. Not ideal. Don't try it. Found a place on the Yukon River. Uh, the owner was after a long conversation on phone. He's a retired Army Master Sergeant. Never met him. I mean, I I rented from him, but I never met the man. Uh, but he, I convinced him that he could trust me. And there's a lot of uh, oh, I don't know, skepticism. A, a leeriness of outsiders in Alaska and I was definitely an outsider I couldn't hide it just as soon as I started talking they knew I wasn't from Alaska and they they eventually warmed to me and uh, accepted me and I you know I had to convince them look I'm not I'm here for real I'm not gonna bolt when the Sun goes down for three months I'm not gonna bolt when it gets to be 60 below and you can trust me I'm not gonna abandon this place and they, they trusted me they rented to me I lived there in that cabin for about eight months no electricity no plumbing just me and uh, my little trap line and the fishing gear and I shot some I shot caribou I had some moose meat I didn't shoot the moose but a lot of salmon I lived right on the Yukon River I mean right on the river and uh, amazing fishing uh, amazing scenery bear and, and I was gonna say wildlife and wildlife everywhere <laughs> almost every day I saw something new and of course I was hunting grouse and ptarmigan and it was just a wonderful experience of course you know I'd go weeks without seeing a person or, or, talk, or talking to a person which is exactly what I was looking for and exactly what I asked for and it's exactly what I needed and it worked out wonderfully and at the end of the about 14 months I decided, look, you know, I've got some some parents at home. I've got, you know, I do have a, another home. And I decided, you know, I'm, I'll be back. But it, it hurt to leave. It was hard to leave Alaska, but I, I did. And I drove back and and um, set roots back down in, Wisconsin, in northern Wisconsin where I, uh, I built a house and have some property. And I hunt and fish and trap and live the life of Riley, I guess. There you go. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, was it Volker that kind of alluded to that, the difference between loneliness and solitude? 
And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're exactly he and you are exactly okay, right. Yeah, there is a just, big difference, and you know, my my comfort level with solitude uh, makes some people uncomfortable, and they can't grasp it. They don't understand it, and I can't really explain it to them. Um, but I'm, yeah, I I have no problems with it. I, I I think it's pretty cool that you can be at peace with yourself and yeah. be able to say and I, that. I, and, you know, and I had a lot of books. I did a yeah. lot of walking. The Northern Lights were. Oh man! Just, I mean, it was like, and I'd go on the at, at night. Well, which it's night during the daytime there in the winter time. But I would go out on the banks of the Yukon River, and it was like an amphitheater. And on the other side of the river from where I was was Canada, uh, Yukon Territory. Uh, but it was like a giant amphitheater, and looking up was the the northern lights and the greens and the blues and the reds and the yellows and shooting across the sky and just brilliant and it was so bright that at times without the moon the best time to watch the northern lights is when there is not a moon out um, you could you'd have a shadow on mm -hmm. the snow i mean it's that bright mm -hmm. and it was just simply amazing so i you know i tell people once in your life you have to get above about I don't know, 60 degrees of latitude, just to witness that for yourself. Don't watch a video, don't read a book or, or you know, hear somebody's explanation. Live go go see it for yourself. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's absolutely worth it, and it's, it's, it's jaw-droppingly awesome. <laughs> well, and it's, it's so funny because, you know, we, being up here, you know, roughly the 45th, if you mm -hmm. will, um, yeah almost tropical uh, <laughs> compared to there yeah. yeah right it's it's just that those incremental degrees just a little further bit. north are just mind-blowingly cool mm -hmm. <laughs> just, oh. you know just every little bit somehow the word got back and you ended up on hgtv though right yeah <laughs> i did yeah um for your gardening prowess no <laughs> no um hgtv does Horse a lot Rush, of yeah. a lot of different shows Actually, gardening gardening is very popular up there because of the uh, the twenty four hours of daylight in the summertime is phenomenal for growing things. A lot of canning going on. I did not have a garden. Um, no, the you know how modern day you send an email to someone and they send it to someone and they send it to someone and before you know it, it's exchanged hands a bunch of times mm. with the push of a button. And most of the people that get it on the end, you, you don't even know them. Just people mm -hmm. forwarding it out of you know out of interest. Well, I was sending out emails to uh, family and friends every few weeks. I, I would go to Eagle, the city, the, the town population of, I don't know, I think 80. Um, they had a little public library and satellite connection. So I had to let people know that I was still alive. Okay. And I, the one email in particular was my caribou hunt. It was a walk-in hunt. It was one of my tougher hunts I've ever been on because I had to pack the thing out by myself. And it was very tough weather conditions and a, lo a lot of stuff. Um, so I, I wrote an email with some pictures and I sent that out, blasted it out. And, you know, it, it exchanged hands a bunch of different times. Somehow that email that I send out lands on the desk of a New York City television producer <laughs> and reads it. He's awestruck and says, gosh, we've, somebody's got to do a TV show on this guy. This is amazing. And so he, and you know, this is all, I have no idea any of this is happening and he doesn't know me. 
and I didn't know how any of this works, but I have a feel for it now. He he puts it out kind of like there's a like how houses go out on the MLS, houses for sale okay. go out on the MLS. Apparently there's a perspective TV show MLS, if you were TV show pitches. Yeah, and and <laughs> Airbnb it, TV. Who want who wants to buy the rights to this? And and there's no guarantee that there's ever even gonna be a show. Okay. But so they, he put it out there, HGTV bought the rights. Um, you know, again, totally unbeknownst to me and to HGTV's knowledge, you know, not even knowing if there was ever even going to be a TV show. They started sending me emails because they had my email. I'm getting the emails once every, you know, few weeks. I'm ignoring them because I think it's a, some kind of a spam or a this you know, is your scam Ethiopian or something. Aunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just give us your bank account and uh, we'll make sure this is good. Yeah. So I just, I deleted it. Uh, yeah. They finally ended up, and I, I'm still not sure they, they... They contact a couple other people on the email list. Hey, how, you know, do you know Mark and why isn't he answering the email? So they contacted me, people I know and trust. And they're like, hey, these people are asking us why you're not answering this email. I'm like, oh, because I thought it was a scam. So I did answer them. Long exchange of emails. I didn't want to do it at first, but they said, we'd like to do a TV show on you. I did it for two reasons. One, it brought a little bit of... Uh, awareness to the fact that there is an Eagle Alaska out there and it's a slow, it's an old mining town and it's slowly as the population gets older the town is getting smaller because people either leave or they pass away and I also did it because I thought it would be a good way to tell the my military story and the fact that some guys need some alone time um, to heal their soul, to reboot the system is, is how, I put it, how I put it to them. Yeah. yeah, And that was my therapy, the hunting, the fishing, the, the solitude. And so, and so we filmed, they showed up and we filmed for, there was a film crew of eight. Uh, they stayed in, in Eagle where there was a very small, <laughs> overwhelmed B&B. &B, and uh, we filmed, I think it was seven or eight days. They had... A hundred at the end of it all, they had a hundred and twenty-two hours of footage because uh, they just go with me on my daily. Mm -hmm. Just go off and do these things. A uh, hundred twenty-two hours of footage for a twenty-two and a half minute show. <laughs> wow! And they had so much footage. They entertained the possibility of doing a, you know, essentially a series. But mm -hmm. that that ended up I don't know how it all works. But they ended up deciding not to do that. It was a positive experience overall. I don't know if I'd do it again. Yeah. It had to be very unique, too. Yeah. Just so that was my first... Uh, be on 24-7. Well, yeah, it was watching yourself on TV, right. which, you know, I'd never really done before. It was pretty interesting. You got mail. <laughs> Excellent. Rod, you uh, you came by way of Oregon. As a, yeah. You were a airplane pilot, a fighter jet pilot, right? Yeah, to go back even farther with the fly fishing thing, I, I got started fishing with Grandpa at two years old. He knew nothing about fly fishing. But in Oregon? Yeah. yeah. You're from Oregon. I'm from Oregon. Okay. I grew up in Portland. Yeah, so he, he'd take me fishing at two, and I loved it. I was the kid who had a tackle box at six, and I would organize all those lures <laughs> on the rainy winter days in Portland and then go fish in the spring with Grandpa. And then at 12 years old, I went camping with my best friend's family. There, his mom and dad didn't fish, but they camped in the most beautiful areas on the uh, Metolius River in Central Oregon near Bend. And beautiful campsite. We got there and we found out in 1963 it was fly fishing only. Hmm. 
we had our spinning rods at the time and said, okay, I guess we can't do this. So we would go down and watch a river and watch these old guys fly fish and kind of say, well, that looks like fun. So we got our grandparents, got our parents to get us fly rods on our next birthdays. There you go. The following summer, these old guys in the river still wouldn't help us, but they'd allow us to sit on the bank if we were quiet and watch them fish. <laughs> and when they got done and got out of the river, we went in and were just successful enough to keep our interest up. There you go. So I started fly fishing back then, and yeah, and then and then as school went on, I got I enlisted in in the National Guard, and they would send one or two guys a year to pilot training if they liked you to keep the rank structure organized. So after okay. a couple of years, I got uh, commissioned as a second lieutenant, sent to Air Force pilot training, and I had to sign a paper that I would revert to enlisted status if I flunked out. Yeah, that's a tough and, sell. And it was like the old cadet program. Yep. They used to, the Air Force <laughs> had a cadet program like that. So anyway, I successfully made it through pilot training, came back. Pretty I good think, incentive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, so I offered to send me to OCS. Many times, but I think it was that was yeah. Oklahoma Cook School. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and so our it, that got closer to my uh, paths crossing with David Nkowski. We okay. Uh, we both went to pilot training about the same time. We we didn't know each other then. Uh, we both he flew F fours. I came back and flew the F one hundred one Voodoo, which was a predator McDonnell Douglas predecessor to the F four Phantom. We had a air defense role. We, we kept the Russian bombers off the coast of Oregon, off the Canadian coast coming in, and we had four airplanes sitting alert 24-7. Uh, so that was my full-time job. It was like being on active duty. I was full-time okay. full for seven years with them. Yeah. Yeah, technician force. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, then the airlines hadn't hired in 10 years. They started hiring. We had a few guys in the Guard unit that were both airline pilots and reserve pilots, national okay. guard pilots. So I said, this looks like a good deal. And uh, anyway, that, that got time consuming. We got a new airplane, got the F-4 Phantom, and I said, I'm not gonna make the check out. I had a wife and a two-year-old and a kid coming on the way and said, it's time to pack up and just do one or the other. I was, I was home one day a week for about 18 months okay. between the two jobs. And so yeah, we packed the young up. Young family and, likes yeah, having dads yeah. around. Yeah. So then Dave and I both <laughs> flew at the same airlines. We both flew at Hughes Air West. We both flew at Republic. And Dave had come out to the guard unit I was flying in um, about the time we were getting hired by the airline. And we talked then. He remembered talking to me. I vaguely remember talking to him. Then we met in our first six months at Hughes Air West Airlines again. Mm -hmm. And then really didn't catch up with each other again for about seven years. I was based in Phoenix for a while, moved to Michigan when Republic Airlines bought us, consolidated. And I got introduced to fly fishing in Michigan that very first six months we were here. We moved in January 85, go up to the fly show at Southfield at the time, the Midwest mm. Fly Fishing Show. Yeah, oh, the, sure. old the old yeah. location. The Dave, old location. Yes. Dave, Dave Hellman had a uh, fly shop in his in his second bedroom in his apartment, he'd bring it to the fly show and was selling components. And so... Good old days are gone forever. I was yeah. going to say, between Art's chicken coop fly shop, a guy running one out of his second bedroom but apartment. Dave was like running his out of his trunk of his car. You I know? love that. <laughs> and, and, and Dave, uh, God bless him, he, he makes friends with everybody. So he and I yeah. talked. We had a lot of things in common. He invited me over to some of his... Uh, he had a group of four guys that tied flies twice a month. I joined them up, and we're still together 37 years later. And uh, yeah, and then Dave, Dave Jankowski, uh, when he was getting out of the guard unit, he said, I want to be more active in this fly fishing. So he and I started going with his fish wagon and camping and fishing. 
And in 2000, I wanted to build a bamboo fly rod for four or five years. And I, Dave said, I'd like to do that too. And we could, it was hard to find. We had a, one of our pilots, senior pilots, lived down south, and he ran a bamboo rod making school. Sam Smart, I don't know if you um, never heard of him. And, and uh, he, uh, we, we could never pair up our schedule with his. And one of my buddies said, hey, there's a school up in Nettie Bay up here with uh, John Long and Ron Barch. And uh, I said, I'm doing that. It was my 50th birthday coming up. I told my wife, don't need to make a surprise birthday party for me. I'm going to go away for a week. Yeah, and I'm going to run away for a week. Nothing to clean up. Right, right. And Jankowski said, I don't know if I can go. And I called him back the next week. I said, I sent my money in. He <laughs> says, okay, You're going. I'm going. <laughs> so he and I went to that school and... Uh, it was great because one of the instructors lived 15 minutes away from me. Dave was in the northern suburbs of Detroit. I was in the western, and we were close enough to get together that next year, build some tools, build another rod before we forgot how go. to make one. Mm -hmm. And then we started making about three rods a year each, and we would play off each other, get together at least a couple times during the winter, spend a day, day and a half working on rods together. And so in 2000 I started, and I've, I've still I've made between one and three rods a year since then. Taught a few guys to make rods, then got involved in this program, which is just the culmination of my rod making. Was and the, the best part of it has been Bamboo Ben. It's so cool. I mean, it, I've been fortunate enough to you know meet you gentlemen and some other folks as a function of Richard, and it's just it's very impressive the the level of passion and just the the push it forward attitude mm -hmm. uh, that you guys have and that you you share so willingly with others is really yeah. really cool. I like it a lot. It's a, it's a hell of a project. Well, I went to I took that Nettie Bay course up there, but Ron was out by then. It was just John, but I was you know the guy I learned like yeah. John. He was a great guy. He's, well, so, so is anybody doing that? You know, for, we we're hearing about this wonderful program uh, for a very limited number of people. What about for our listeners that? I, I, you know, Richard obviously is always available to uh, to teach. And uh, Google bamboo rod making, and uh, there's know, a guy. You'll be surprised in, at what comes back. Guy in Ohio, Jeff Wagner. Wagner. I, he, he was going to quit teaching because he was starting to age out, but I think he still has classes. I took my first workshop. I took with uh, Jeff, and he's he's this guy I credit with teaching me how to make rods, and, and it was, he, he was that was a good good experience. He's an ec excellent technician, but he's also a great entertainer and teacher. He's an all-around good guy. Yeah. And some of us have, have taught individuals that, that come to us and say, I've, I've taught four or five guys to make rods, you know, one-on-one in my basement. Okay. And um, I would say the next best thing, and we'd like guys to register for it, though, is our Gray Rock Gathering, which is June 16th this year. No, no, we insist on people registering. Well, we have to, <laughs> have to register. <laughs> it's, but it's beyond wanted. In the past, we've had guys drop in just to say, what the heck is going on here? You know, mm. if a guy wants to come in and check us out for an hour, you know, and, and not, not sit in on all of our seminars and things, but we've, we've put on, uh, I'd say in, at the peak, we'd have, what, 60 to 80, eight, up to 80 guys? Well, when we moved... The levels from Rayburn, we had 105 people that year, oh, and oh, wow. had 109 yeah. the next. Okay, but it's dropped off pretty steady since. Then. And and what what I saw observed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it would be about at least 70 to 80 of those guys had made one bamboo rod anyway, 
uh, half of them had made a lot, and they were a wealth of information for those new guys. And then some of the people were just bamboo rod enthusiasts that were thinking of making a rod. So we picked up guys that way and shared. Those gatherings are a wonderful source of sharing information. Um, we, we put on seminars on how to make some of the tools that you can save a lot of money making your own tools. We put seminars on about what glues we use, what varnish we're using. Well, I was going to say, don't you have some sort of top secret oath thing about the uh, varnish and the glues? That, and well, that was old school. I think that, that was old school. It's witchcraft. Yeah. Apple yeah. smoke and all it. kinds you of you stuff. You want to start a fist fight between rod makers. You get to talk about glue or wraps <laughs> yeah. or cork. And, and John, that was true back in the 60s. And then Everett Garrison, who was a fabulous rod maker in and of himself, he published that book the, with Holy with the Carmichael. Carmichael. With all the secrets. Yeah, and boy, yeah. he became, uh, he, he so was not secret. thought of highly it's by the like other rod makers. like a magician giving away the rabbit exactly. track. Yeah. Exactly. I think probably him and Wayne Kattenauer, the, I, I think, were the, probably the two that did, did more for making rod making accessible to people than right. anyone else. I mean, yeah. but before ever or before Garrison, you know, there was Doc Holden and Claude yeah. Kreider. I mean, there were guys out there talking about it, but they, nobody yeah, really paid attention right. until him and Carmichael got yeah. involved. So, I guess going back to your original question, you know, the, the, the rod-making instructors that we have now aren't going to be rod-making instructors forever. Right. They, they're getting older, they move away, they, you know, whatever, they, they move on. Or Some just, of us just fall apart. Get, <laughs> right. get burned out, whatever, fall apart. Uh, yeah. So our, our hope, is, you know, anyone out there listening who thinks they have the skills, or even if they don't have the skills, we can give you the skills. Um, you know, they can stop down uh, when we're in session and, uh, and see what we're all about. And if it's something that interests them, uh, between Rod and Dave Jankowski, they can interview them and, right. and bring them right. into the fold, so to speak. Our other, we try to grow our own, to use a military term. Um, our hope is that one or two of our students, each class, uh, are enthused enough, interest enough, where they okay, maybe I want to make another rod. Well, maybe I'm going to make another rod. And then maybe someday, not too far down the road, they decide to come back and, and be an instructor or, or like, like myself. Well, but that's you, right? Yeah, that is me. But, <laughs> well, actually, I was groomed originally to be an instructor, but then uh, Vic uh, decided he you know, was going to move on to bigger and better things and, and move out of the area so he couldn't be the president anymore. And, right. I, and he, he asked me, and like I said earlier, I, I was all for it. So... No more instructor for me. I'm doing higher echelon, behind-the-scenes things sure. to coordinate everything. Sure. Mm -hmm. Just as critical. It, yeah, Just sure. Just as is. critical. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you need a place. You need the people. You it's, need the food. You, you, need... you know, we're, we're seeing it in a lot of organizations um, in this area, even. It's it's an aging demographic, yeah. and we need young folks. And, you know, hunting and fishing license adoption mm -hmm. is down, down. Yeah. and those that's the future so well, i think you know, i'm not you, getting all evangelical but you know yeah, no, take I, a kid fishing or take a kid you, hunting could, you could somehow figure out how many people built rods build make bamboo rods today compared to 20 years ago compared to 20 years before that compared to 20 years before that it's definitely a growing mm -hmm. demographic or i'm sorry a shrinking and aging demographic. Aging. Well, there's yeah. a bell curve in there, and we're on yeah. the downside of it. Right. Oh, for sure. And, right. you know, if that continues in the not-too-distant future, we're going to run out of 
yeah. people that know how to do this. Yeah. Well, that's reflected in the you know the gray rock numbers. You know, just, yeah, we're dropping off because yeah. we don't. Not many young people coming in, and the old guys are, uh, you know, well, doing so what old people do. You know? let, let's put let's put a, a dot on the eye there. So, this week, if you're in the area, um, I think there'll probably be a couple of days left by the time this is published. Yeah. Um, but probably the the better opportunity, check the websites that we'll put up in the show notes, and and learn more about these organizations and about this opportunity, um, you know, to, to pass, pass your good fortune forward, but also, um, to investigate the gray rock assembly. And that is, again, when does that start in June? 16th, 17th, 18th, yeah. I think. Okay. Well, again, that's a registration type yeah. thing. Yeah. But it is, yeah. So, Opportunities are abound, but uh, tell us a little more about. Let, let's shift it back into your own rod making experience, and maybe some of the some of the rods that have influenced you, or how do you choose your taper, or where, how do you, how do you get to where you are? <laughs> we built. I built my first rod in two thousand. We went to the Canadian Cane Gathering. Came up here to Gray Rock. I think the next year, and. Uh, the neat thing about the Gray Rock, I'll go back to Gray Rock because I do think it's a great organization. They we'd have 30, 40 rods out in the rack that you could look at, pick up and cast. They'd all have reels and lines, go out in the grass and cast them. And you found a taper you liked that you felt good casting, the name of the maker's on the rod, you go find him in the gathering somewhere. <laughs> Anybody that puts a rod in that rack is gonna share. And uh, early on, uh, the technical part of making the rod up I felt I had down pretty good after a few rods. My cosmetics were not very good. And we have a, a gentleman from Pennsylvania that I hope shows up again this year. And I haven't seen him in three years now either, Al Medved. Mm. And he makes the prettiest rods you've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, Definitely artwork. I, I, w I was a little bit hesitant. I, I said, man, this is a beautiful rod. And I liked the way it casts. It was a little Paul Young Midge taper. Okay. Six oh, foot three, four way. Great taper. And uh, <laughs> so I... He said, he's sitting under that tree over there. So I introduced myself, and he said, well, he says, yeah, that, that great rod. But I said, I'll find that taper on, online somewhere. And I said, I know it's published. He says, no, no. He says, for every Paul Young Mitch taper out there, there might be five that are close but not identical. If you like the way this one casts, let me give you my taper, the one I used. So he did. And then I said, your, your finishing is impeccable. Do you mind, you know, he... I sat down and took notes for 30 minutes. He told me what varnish he used, what glue he used, his procedure to finish in between coats, everything. Was it, what, what called it out to you as, as the aesthetic? Was it the wrap, the, the hardware, the varnish? It, it's it's the just whole, the whole package? It's, it's the whole thing. You, you see his rod there, and he, he does the high-gloss finish. Some guys like the muted satin finish rods, but I, the high-gloss just looked pretty sitting there. And you pick it up, and it's straight as an arrow. Uh, the wraps, you, you start getting to be critical about wraps. And you look at the wrap and the varnish goes right to the edge of the wrap and drops off and stops. There's no drips, there's no fuzzies, there's no bumps. It's just beautiful. And the cork grip is, is using the best quality cork you can find. There's very few voids and stuff in the cork handle. The real seat is beautiful. And uh, then on top of it, to, to, the further I got to talk to him, he was just a super gentle soul. You know, oh. that kind of went along with his rods. 
And, and so I found, uh, for me, the sweet spot for bamboo trout fishing in Michigan type waters, the Asabo system, I just gravitated to the seven and a half foot five, five weight rods. It was in hand, it felt grid and also the midge. And, and I, you know, I really like fishing that midge dry fly only. It's a fun little rod to fish. Mm -hmm. And that taper, I, I like the Dickerson, the 7613 Dickerson is a, is a nice rod. I've, I found, I've given away a few and I found that rod to put in the hands of a graphite rod caster. It's a pretty easy transition. Transition rod. Graphite to bamboo. And then uh, Dave Jankowski, uh, with his interest in taper design, I, I didn't get into the computer taper design stuff. I've, I was more like, pick one up if I liked it. I said, what's the taper? And I'll copy it. Dave got into some of the technical, more technical aspects of stress curves and some of these other things. And, and he found he liked the Martha Marie, but it's a seven and a half foot six weight. And he didn't like the bottom parabolic kick to it. He thought it kicked too much. So he, he put it on a computer and redesigned the taper a bit. And he calls it his phantom, his seven foot six inch phantom. Oh, that's but hilarious. he credits, he said, it's a Paul Young Martha Marie, but I modified it. Wow. And when he made that rod and passed that around, I think I've made six or seven of them. And, and then I said, you know, we're backpacking a bit back in the day. And I said, what can I do to make that a three piece? I, I said, I, you know, I don't want to destroy the action of it. He went to the trouble to look at his computer. He said, well, the parabolic part, bottom part of that parabolic is away from the bottom ferrule. The top end should be the same. He said, here's what I would do. And, and he never made a three piece phantom, but I think I made four of them. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, How's it cast? Great. It's a little slower. You got a little more mass with that extra ferrule. Sure. So I think that slows it down. But it, it was a rod that I just like to pick up. I could see a target at 20, 30 feet. And in my hand and my casting stroke, it just kind of matched what I, what I was doing. So I like it. And so I, I've made a lot of seven and a half foot five weights, a lot of that taper. And... Uh, so I don't know. Other other guys get more into the scientific end of it. I don't know how you do that, Richard, with your. I, just, I overlay it on an Excel spreadsheet and just screw with the numbers till I find something I like, what, or you, I think I like and I make it. And or usually it comes out okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What what I'm somebody said. I'm not a scientist. What some somebody said today at lunch said, you ask five of these guys how to do something, you'll get ten different answers. Well, <laughs> no, and and I guess that kind of proves the point. I mean, it's. Not to be cliche, but beauty or castiness in the eye of the beholder. Right. What what works for me, you might think is like, I what is that guy doing? It's right. a broomstick. Right. <laughs> Does he catch well, fish? That's the, yeah, that's well, the real. Right. I've noticed, you know, a good caster can cast damn near anything. Right. I mean, somebody who has the innate ability to sync up with the rod. Right. And, and, a, and a not so good caster, for the sake of being on media, yeah. <laughs> will uh, make any rod look. Terrible. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and then just the, yeah, for, for my natural, I had, you know, 30 years of fishing with pretty stiff graphite, you know, and then to pick up that Phantom or the Dickerson, both felt pretty good to me. Just hurry up and yeah. wait. But I, I will say, though, Richard, if, you, if you're not one of those good casters and you go to Alaska for a year, You'll leave Alaska thinking you're the best fly fisherman <laughs> ever. You know, and, 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 and I'll tell you, it's a, you can't do anything wrong up there. We went to Alaska and we were miss. fishing sinking lines. Yeah. And but that was a long time ago, back in '96, '97. But anyway, them heavy sinking lines with you know eight, seven, eight heavy big rods, and that probably did more to help my cast than anything because you know when you got that thing, you know, you'd, you'd, 
you know, you'd bring it up off the water and get it rolling back, and you know, you you felt it. I mean, yeah, everything was happening that line. You knew it, and it, you know, you, it, yeah, you just went to. Yeah, I mean, it really, it. really helped. You had a yeah. lot more to visual cue. Yeah. Well, you know, the fish up there too. They don't. They've never seen. Most of the fish up there have never seen a person. They've never seen a fly. They've, yeah. they, you know, yeah. gullible as a really dumb fish. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and I caught an awful lot of fish that. Had they been in another location, I might not have so caught. We, we embrace naive fish. <laughs> yes, we do. We They're my favorite ones. Them. They're yes. my favorite ones. <laughs> they are the best. Well, guys, what's next? What's um, we've we've got the the this week's session to finish out. Where where do you guys go from here? What's uh, how do you prep for next year? What you know, well, planning start tomorrow? Or? Yeah, well, yeah. The, actually, the planning has already started. Uh, okay. Actually, yesterday we had the conversation of what are the dates going to be for next year, and if they are these dates, you know, we base it off of Mother's Day plays a role, the fishing opener here plays a role, the availability of North Branch Outing Club, which I'll give them a plug. They are gracious hosts. We've been staying there now. I think this is the third year we've been staying there. Third? Three? Two? Okay, second. second year. Um, I, I can't. I can't say enough good things oh, uh, about the way they've they've treated us, both the old, the former owner and the new owners. Um, so you know, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. We just don't pick a week and, and go. Um, Lovell's Town Hall has to be available, and, sure. and this year we got actually surprised. We had we thought we had a plan, and then the state of Michigan said, "No, uh, you're going to Crawford County. You're going to hold this uh, referendum." on the first Tuesday of the month. And uh, so yeah. Gary Newman called and said, yeah, I got bad news. Uh, we've got, we, I'm, I'm helpless here. I have yeah. to, it's yeah. the law. I have to hold an election, <laughs> which means you can't do bamboo bend that week. So yeah. we had to adjust. One, one block on the ballot for school. Yeah. Time, yeah. Yeah. It was a goofy yeah. election apparently, but, but necessary. So, so there's a lot of factors, a lot of, you know, people, instructor availability, uh, you know, a lot of things. But so the planning has already started. And, and of course, the funding never ends. Exactly. And then in the winter, so the instructors, some of us prep strips ahead of time for this class so we can cut some hours out for this deal. So I, I get together with Jankowski every January. We do some rod building for our own satisfaction but also uh, oftentimes it's prepping a set starting your prep yeah, on the blanks two or three rods where the blanks yeah, yeah that's one of the shortcuts so they let this makes it able uh, able for us to complete a rod in a week and right. when they come in they got a set of blanks we hand them and yeah. they can work from there after a little instruction on the preliminary well and i think as we've discussed before you guys do a lot of elbow grease stuff we, you're taking it real tight to the yeah. final yeah. we've we, we call them our rod fairies on uh, fri fairy. on Friday that. and Saturday. A couple of us rod fairies get in there and make sure these rods look great, get them in socks and uh, tubes, <laughs> get them presentable, buff them out. Got All a whole laundry list of items from my <laughs> wife that I'd love the rod fairies to attack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's awesome. Good. Well, everybody should have those uh, those contributors in their program. That's awesome. Guys, great job. This is really good stuff. and. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to know this program is alive and well and growing and going. So, yeah, good. Going kudos strong. to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. And I please, I need to 
say hello to my wife. If I don't, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Oh, absolutely. So, hello, and I miss you, and oh, uh, see Mark. you soon. Yeah, I know. Mark, you're a good man, and... Uh, hold on now, hold on. Thanks for coming over. I've been married... I've been Please married. apply the bonus points now. That's good job out of you, sir. I've been married less than two years, so uh, we're still, all uh, right. still in that new... New phase. No, that's uh, that's so. an everyday thing. That's all. It's yeah. all good. Okay. Man. That's yeah. perfect. I hope so. Yeah. Hey, right paying attention to your wife's not a sin around here. Yeah. Maybe odd, but it's not a sin. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Gentlemen, Thank thanks you. again. Thank you. All right. Well, well, we're pretty lucky, guys, to be able to do this podcast and meet a lot of neat people and uh, have a great time doing it. I uh, hope you're enjoying listening to it. Um, I will start putting a little plug in uh, at the end of these podcasts uh, we are a nonprofit. we're a 501c3 organization uh, for the time we're not going to play commercials during the podcast or anything like that but if you enjoy what you're hearing um, and you'd like to support us please visit lths uh, that's the levels township historical society and um We'd be grateful for any support you'd like to throw us. So thank you, enjoy, and we'll see you next week in a brand new show.